So welcome to the Mal and Johnny Show. And you've had a bit of an exciting weekend, haven't you, Johnny? Yeah, I was invited to the celebration lunch of Win Calvin's 75 years in show business. He's 96. Now. 75 years. They should have done it last year, but of course COVID stopped it. So it was it was held at the um the, the Union Jack Club in London. There's the brochure there. I'll send you some pictures later all about it. Fantastic. Yeah, so um, it was really good. I mean, I drove up because I, I'm in trains. I didn't want to go on a train mm-hmm. anyway, plus the fact they're twice the price. <laughs> um, I parked it on a parking meter for nothing because it was weekend. And then I, I did three stops on a tube and I was there. It was a really piece of cake, you know. Fantastic. It was a, a very funny afternoon with all the comics giving a bit of a turn. You know, people like Paula Grady talking. And Sri McKellen was there. It was a really great day. You know, we, we obviously, we did a, a long interview with Wynne Calvin. And we yeah. keep on saying it almost weekly, really, that we don't honour our heroes. But he's getting that respect, as you say, from if Sir Ian McKellen will turn up uh, to celebrate yeah. with you and Paul O'Grady, I mean, that's that's illustrious company, isn't it? Well, the thing is, uh, with, with uh, Sir Ian McKellen, when he wanted to play Dame, because he's always wanted to, apparently... He, he he turned to Win because he, he, Win is a proper dame, as Win says. He's not a he's not a drag act. He's a man in a frock. Mm-hmm. And he he said, "What well, you know?" He went and met up with him, and he gave him a load of tips how to do it. Mm-hmm. And he's never forgotten it apparently. And and he's been out on the road at Sir Ian McKellen with his one man show, and he's made five million quid, and he's given it all to charity. Goodness me! And uh, he mentions Win in his chat, saying that he taught me how to do this. Stuff. Like, I love a nice chat. Yeah, and and, yeah. and right in the middle of this brochure, and I'm, you're going to send us a picture, so I'll put it up now. Um, yeah. All of the different, all the different pantomimes that Win has done over the years. He did fifty-four, I think, or fifty-eight pantomimes. Wow. I did two with him myself. I did Mother Goose in Cardiff, and I did Aladdin with him in Cardiff. Mm. As did Owen. Owen was in the Aladdin. She wasn't in Mother Goose because I didn't know her then. But um, yeah, I mean, I first met Win when I was a little boy. Obviously, he was in a pantomime with my father, his very first one mm. in the Grand in Swansea. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's good. And I suppose we're starting to think now about, well, I've got a gig on the 24th of September at Blackwood Miners Institute and then a couple in October. It won't be long before we're back on the road, but it's made us start to think about gigs we have done. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and i the gear and oh. uh, <laughs> places to stay, all yeah. that stuff. Because when you yeah. started off, would you, you didn't take that much gear on the road with you, did you? Well, there was, no, you didn't think it because it was before the times we had a good sound system. You just, you put up with a bingo mic, didn't you? When you went to these clubs and it was terrible. But you, because that's all you knew, it didn't seem to be that bad. Yeah. I, I suppose it's like we're looking at an old black and white movie now, black and white television. We used to take it for granted, but now when we see this extra, you know, wonderful films we get on TV with high definition, I mean, it's... You just get used to what you're used to, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Because it's funny, in my memory, listening to my... My dad had a, a little Russian transistor radio, you know, which I nicked. Yeah, yeah. And I used to listen to Radio 1 on that. It's still, in my head, it still sounds super stereo. It couldn't have been. It was a little tiny little microphone like that. But but at the time, it, I didn't have anything yeah. to compare it with. It was the best sound in the world. Well, don't you remember whenever you recorded? It just probably happened to you the same as me. After you'd made the recording in the 20 or the 36... You know, track studio. Yeah. They blasted into these wonderful speakers. They said, "Right, we'll play it now through the transistor. See how the people are going to hear it." <laughs> little, oh, that's right, little Oratone speakers. I remember. I they, used to do it, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I think people even do that now. They have a little ghetto blaster in the studio just to just to see, you know, because yeah, people listen to you know they listen to speakers behind a, a, a box shelf somewhere on the radio on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so gigs. So he wouldn't have taken m- much gear, but you, I know that. And well, we talked to. 
Max Boyce about it. You know, you soon got yourself a proper proper PA, didn't you? Yeah, I was working with a sound guy called Mike Carter, and he used to do sound impressions like Concord going through the the, the, the barrier and uh, trains going through tunnels. And he had this really good sound system. And I said, where'd you get it? And he and he put me onto the guy that gave him this, this stuff. And it was in Malvern, of all places. Right. And I went up and I got myself a PV, which was, a, I think it's a Canadian. It was good, good sound PV. Yeah. And they had two lovely big speakers, you know. And um, that was it. I was on the road now, but humping it up, up the back stairs of the Swansea Dockers wasn't much fun. <laughs> did you ever do the Garnet Con Club? I expect I did. I did everyone. I think the, <laughs> the room's on the third floor, and uh, and because we arrived maybe slightly late, you had to use the fire escape outside. I remember. I mean, well, just... That's the same with the, with the Swansea Dockers, the fire escape. Yeah. And if it was wet, boy, oh. you have to be careful. Yeah. Carrying your gear up there, two heavy speakers. <laughs> but, of course, you'd have, oh. a, you'd, you'd have a couple of roadies, a couple of heavies with you to do all the lifting. Well, you used to get your mates when you went before you made it, you know, or your mates to come along for the night for the ride. You know, <laughs> but I don't know. It used to go on the motorways and the motorway cafes. Remember, they used to have all the um, the, the greasy spoons for the lorry drivers. Yeah. We used to pile in there about three in the morning. We're on the way back from the gig, <laughs> but they all seem to be gone now. Those, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, little chef on your way to gigs all around the country. Oh, it was, little chef. It was it was like part of the part of the the, the whole sort of experience, wasn't it? It was a. I always used to have the cherries jubilee in there. <laughs> Good day, good times, good. There's a pancake with a lot of jelly sort of a tin and a bit of ice cream on it. And then, yeah, once I started going on the road, it was, it was the first time I'd really been out for a curry. Because, right. you know, because after a gig, I say you're staying away somewhere and, you know, you're doing a couple of gigs back to back. Well, it, it's either Chinese or, or a curry by that time of night, that's isn't right, it? It's right. the, the only places that are open, all the sort of the... Um, the, the British restaurants are all, are all close to 10 o'clock. And, I, right. you know, it, again, it became a, it came a part of the whole experience, really, going out, doing a yeah. gig, having a curry, having a laugh, and then trying to get home before falling asleep at the wheel. I know. I remember when I talk about after a session, I was in Decca doing a, a session for Dorothy Squires. We'd, she'd written a load of songs, and right. she wanted me to do a couple for her. And Lost Sophia, Ross, this uh, group, they did a few, and she did a few. She wanted to sell these songs. So we didn't finish, like, three in the morning. Then we all piled into a transport cafe on the way home. Yeah. So she's there, all, all elegant, with a big coat on her glass, with all these lorry drivers down. She said, do you have any chutney? <laughs> so somebody said, you'll be asking for ketchup next. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, we used to stop on the Gordano services. Uh, oh, uh, what was the one on uh, the M4? No, the M- no, the M6. M6. Nutsford. Uh, Nutsford. Nutsford. They were going into Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool. That's it. You stop it. Now you see all the groups turning up. You see Jerry and the Pacon making us. Hello, Dad. John, how's it going, lad? Where you been making, man? You know, it was great. It was like a, you'd meet all your mates. See, when my old man was in the business, it was the train. Ah. So they all used to meet at Crew Crew. Station where all the trains used to change. Of course. And they'd meet all the pros on the station. But no, we all met them on motorways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about digs? Did you have any bad digs? No, now if I'm really... Let me just think. Uh, To be honest, most of the the touring stuff I've done Mm. has been quite high-end. So uh, you were in hotels, were you? In hotels. Oh, you were in your posh. You sometimes, were. sometimes you very nice ones. Digs, digs. Because you were there for the <laughs> week, weren't you? You were there for the whole week. Yeah. yeah so you I remember the first week I went away ever. It was in like early sixties. I was staying in Annie Lee's, little Jewish woman, in Leeds, and it was four pounds ten shillings a week. <laughs> and you could get up any time you liked. If you came in at three in the morning, you could get up at 
like 12 o'clock, she'd make your breakfast. And who was in the day, because I may have told you this before, was Gordon Mills when he was with a group, the Viscounts. Right. And we're all sitting around the table having breakfast like at one o'clock in the afternoon, you know. And he looks at me, bleary-eyed, he said, where are you from? I said, Cardiff. He said, the Bronx of Wales. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Because all the, all the theatres around the country, the Grand Theatre still has it. Well, we, we, it's not really open at the moment, but, you know, you'd go to the stage door and there'd be a list of digs that were all That's associated, right, yeah. that would expect you and would understand theatrical types. That's right. Theatrical digs were a different kind of thing to just bed and breakfast. Mm. I mean, bed and breakfast, you've got to get out at 9 o'clock. <laughs> but with the, with the old theatrical digs, it was more... They knew what was going on. Yeah. And they... But I had one digs in Hull. I'd never forget it. It was so cold. I was doing a week in the Continental Club in Hull. And I, I, I got up in the night. I was perished. I was freezing. And I found there was a there was a rug on the floor. So I put the rug on top of the bed off the floor. I was so cold. And I didn't want to get out of the And another time, you you get out and the, the old cloth is sticking to your feet. It's so freezing. And when, when I think about it, you know. Yeah. But we we all went through that. Yeah, yeah. Then I got a few quid and they stayed in the hotel. Stayed in the hotel. <laughs> stayed in the hotel. I, I, the other th- I remember sort of like, you think you, you've got a gig somewhere quite far away. Uh, do you risk it? Do you or you know do you spend the money or do you try and get home? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also if you. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure if you're like me, but if a gig comes in, you'll try your best to do it, even though it's impossible, really, but you still try your best to do it. I had one gig uh, booked in, I think it was in the middle of Derbyshire somewhere, maybe up in um, up in the Derbyshire Hills, uh, a, a, an evening gig, but I'd also yeah, yeah. just been asked to sit in for Roy Noble on Radio Wales in the mornings, right. in the mornings. So the show started, I think, at nine o'clock. Um, so I... Th- I thought I won't actually tell the producers because they'll only worry, won't they? But I've, I've got yeah, this gig already yeah. booked in, so I'm going to do them both. So you, you right, know, right. finish the show, say, see you tomorrow then, everybody. Get, yeah, get in the car, you know, drive up to Derbyshire, do the gig. It finishes at midnight and then aye, you get aye. back in the car, uh, you know, park outside the BBC in Flandaff. And, and run in. <laughs> and run in. Do the, I did the next show and I said, well, just to let you know, I, <laughs> I went to Derbyshire oh, after the, They nearly killed me. But oh, you, you've got to do what you've got to do, to Johnny. Be a thing, there used to be a thing in the theatre contracts, I know that, when we did any, anything like a week's work or a, a pantomime or something, that you had to, you couldn't stay anywhere, I think it was a 30-mile radius, you had to stay in that area. Wow. Otherwise, you're breaking your contract, you know. Right. So we didn't say, you know, we're going to do a Sunday concert in Yarmouth, you know, and come back. <laughs> Or, or stand standing in, in the plane. And when I was in Jersey, we used to have to be careful because you could get you could get fogged in. See, you have to fly out to Jersey, and if your fog comes, then you can't get back for the show. Oh, that reminded me. Now, I I had agreed to do um, BBC Radio Two Sunday morning gig uh, with Don McLean from the Isle of Wight Garlic Festival, mm. um, but I was in the middle of actually emptying the uh, Royal. Was it the uh, no the Welsh Youth Theatre? They had a, a week, sort of like week or so, to prepare, for, and I was writing the music for them. So, of course, I said yes to everything. I said yes yeah, to everything. Yeah. But then I thought, great, I can fly from Swansea mm. to yeah. uh, you know to the Isle of Wight, uh, and my mate had a, had a license, so it was great. I was just getting ready. Got the Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, and the fog came in, and he didn't have the right license to fly in the fog. He didn't have the uh, what they call a stan at it. Um, uh, uh, Ratings. It was a yeah, instrument, Intr- rating. instrument rating. It. So I, 
<laughs> I managed to find somebody else. In fact, it was my, my brother-in-law's dad who was a judge who had all the ratings. But yeah. and he, So he suddenly got he his plane. He flew me there. But, of course, I wasn't allowed to pay for it because, it, well, the, his, his regulations, I couldn't pay. So I had to, I can't remember what I bought them. And I put them up in a hotel in the Isle of Wight. <laughs> and we came back, and I think I, I think he had a nice couple of bottles of wine out of it as well, because he he wouldn't let me pay for the fuel. But it, yeah. you know, you just get there, don't you? You get to the you gig. Do. Uh, talking about taking everything, you know, you because you have to when you start because you don't know where your next bread's coming from. Mm. This bloke, this this agent, I think it was Beverly Artists they were called. They had a they had a branch in like Beverly Yorkshire, and one in Cardiff. Right. So I got you a gig, John. Where is it? It's in Aberdeen. <laughs> Aberdeen. <laughs> So I had a Triumph Spitfire at the time, a little sports car, and I, I drove all the way to Aberdeen to do this gig. And they couldn't find any digs, and I found a little caravan park. And I said, got a caravan for the for the week? Aye, ah, all right. So it said, Nig, it was called, N-A-G-G. Then he said, right, you've got another gig now. He said, where's that? Lossiemouth. He said, you're doing a show for the, for the Navy up at Lossiemouth. He's right up the top. So off I go now to Lossiemouth, and there's all these sailors in there, and hundreds and hundreds of them in there. There's me and a stripper. <laughs> They didn't want to see me. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted an easy gig. Oh, oh my God. But I don't know about you. You probably had it as well. Do you have any groupies coming around? Oh, never, Johnny. Never, 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 oh. never. <laughs> you beat them off the stage. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we used to get them at Swansea Grand. Really? We used to get these girls they used to come in every day to see the pantomime. And they'd be up in the gods. I think they used to be a chin, you know. They used yeah. to play. And they'd be out on the stage door as you come on. Johnny, can I have a photograph? I said, they gave you one last week. Oh, I want another one. Stan, give me one. Oh, God. And they were there every week, these girls. <laughs> I mean, I did, have, I did have a few bad experiences where they came in and started taking their clothes off. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God, I can't have it. Let me get arrested. <laughs> Actually, funny, but, but people do get obsessed by artists, don't they? So you see the same yeah. people at various gigs. Uh, I, yeah. I, I was working with Meryl Osmond. Uh, from the Osmonds, right. and we yeah. had a gig booked at the Point in Cardiff in the Bay, uh, right. a lovely old chapel. And uh, well, you remember it? I yeah, remember beautiful. It. So we did that on the Sunday. The next gig uh, was on Monday in Belgium, so we just flew out there. It was the same people at the gig. It was the same. Well, they, yeah, yeah, bad fans. They follow everybody. From, but... They'd flown off, and then we went to Dublin. Guess mm. what? It was the same lot. It was the same lot. But it's like the Barry Manilow lot. You ever they go see him wherever he is, yeah. and it's the same people. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're, they're proper fans, I suppose. I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting because when I did the gig in, I mean, the, not, not the worst gig, but the hardest gig I think I've ever done. I think I've told you about this probably, but Merrill was taken ill. We were in Dublin in a, in a, in a yeah. castle hotel in Dublin with 300 Osmond fans. And um, he was taken ill. He couldn't do the gig. And his agent said, Mel, she was from Belgium. She said, Mel, Mel's not very well. He can't do the gig. I'm going, oh, that's oh. terrible. We've got a night off. <laughs> she yeah. said, uh, can you do it? I, oh. said, I said, what? She said, can you do the gig? I said, you want me to do an Osmond's gig in front of Osmond's fan without an Osmond? Yeah. She said, yes. <laughs> It was all right. The thing is, yeah. I knew the crowd by then. <laughs> I, yeah, I knew so all the people. They're all the same people. They're all the same people, and they came up and did the songs with me. It was just... <laughs> you know, um, as the years went past and uh, the gigs got better, you, yeah. you didn't have to take so much gear anymore, did you? Because the the, the actual venues got themselves all, all geared stuff, up by yeah. then. Yeah. Mind you, having said that, I, I used to do um, Butlin's camps and gigs and, you know, concerts. But sometimes the gear wasn't good, and I used to put my own up in the end. Right. 
Because, right. you know, it was a better quality. OK, yeah. you would hear us with the eight gear, but sometimes it was. And you didn't know it was on the, on the knobs. That's right. They didn't know what mm-hmm. they were doing half the time. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of bringing kids from the, the you know, blue coats to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So be self-contained. Um, we, we used to call it yeah. boy scouting. You know, you just uh, always be always be prepared for every eventuality. That's right. Yeah. See, when I started, it was you had to turn up to the club. Yeah. The pianist invariably couldn't read music. They'd say, I can't read this. It haven't got a picture on the front. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I follow the words. I follow the words. See? Oh, busker, OK. So I had my old man. I was lucky most of the time because my father would play for me. The drummer would be like building a shed, banging hell <laughs> And that was it. And the mic would be like a bingo mic. And then it, it progressed at the end. Although I didn't like the idea of backing tracks, they put a lot of musers out of work. Mm. It, in the end, it was the safest way to go. You knew you had an orchestra behind you, you could press a button, and that was it. Yes, yes. And that's the way it's, like, that's the way it's gone, isn't it? Even in pantos, they're using backing tracks. Yeah, theatre as well, isn't it? Theatre as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, good stuff. So you're, um, obviously, we're not saying when you're going on holiday, but you're going on holiday at some stage to that Yeah, uh, to in, that in a few weeks' time, I'm off to uh, Malaga. Malaga. Oh. Have you, have, what's yeah. the preparations, just a matter of interest, like COVID regulations? Do you have to get all tested up before you go? It's murder. Is it? First of all, you've got to get a certificate to say you've been vaccinated twice. That's the easy one. Right. You just, you just, you get on the online and you do that, and they'll send you the certificate that you've been double vaccinated. You do that to the NHS. Then you've got what they call a locator form you've got to get. Right. In other words, where you're sitting in a plane, where you go in, what time you're coming back, because they've got to know, follow you in case you've got something wrong with you mm. or you pick something up. But you've got to get one from Spanish government for going into Spain, so you've got to go onto, the, onto their website to get that, mm-hmm. fill all that in, which is like a nightmare. You, they want to know what, what size teeth you've got, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got to get one for coming back. Right. So when you get oh and oh you got to send for got to send also for a test. And in Wales you have to pay sixty eight quid for some reason. Wow. In England it's forty eight quid. Goodness. You know they've got those Welsh government's got different idea anyway. So Alwyn and I both got this. They they turned up a couple of weeks before, and you leave that in your house for when you come back home. Right. And when you come back home you test yourself and you post it off and two, you have to stay in for two days or you have to be careful for two days before you've got the old clear. Yeah. But when you land in Spain, two days before you come back from Spain, you have to have a test over there, and then they fill you in your form, which you bring home. So it's all that. So it's it's a rigmarole. Yeah. But but you, you know, can't wait to go. You can't wait. You gotta get out. I gotta get out. They're trying to stop me. I gotta go. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to having a chat, either when you get back or, or maybe while you're there as well. But it's lovely, and congratulations to, to win 75 years in entertainment. So well done to, to him. And, uh, uh, it's, we, I mean, between us, we've probably got 70, weren't we? Into the well, centuries. I've got, I was, my very first, I, I did the clubs when I was a semi-pro. Mm. My first professional gig was in 1960. I did a summer season in, in Butlins in the Resident Review. Wow. That's 63, 70, 18, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19, 19